It's 100 years old. And 100 years young. It's been played for by the greatest heroes. And the greatest villains. It's seen battle. And ballet. It's been muddied beyond recognition. Barely seen through a blanket of fog. And on one frigid day, a staple gun helped lay claim to it. It's been celebrated by the common man. And the uncommon man. It's been through war. It's been paraded, helicoptered, horseback, broken, held for rest, and recovered. It's reduced 300-pound men to tears. You're listening to CFL Talk. I'm Candid Frank. That's Michael Townsend. And uh, we missed last week, so, Mike, we can talk about the week before very quickly, and that would have been week one, which saw Saskatchewan lose to Hamilton. Those were interviews I made while I was at the game against Hamilton. It was a game that saw Zach Caleros get hurt. We won't talk about it too much because it is in the rearview mirror quite a distance. But initially, Mike, that, that, that injury to Zach Caleros is just another injury. And that's got to be concerning for anybody, including he and those close to him, not just the team. Oh, oh yeah, Frank. Yeah, you know, because uh, for one, Saskatchewan brought him back to be the man over there, and they had, you know, the utmost confidence that Zach Kalels can come out here and lead this team uh, like they thought he did. And, you know, having this type of injury that happens, man, your first game, it's unfortunate. And I, I hope you bounce back real quick. Well, yeah, once he gets back, I guess, it is something of a concern. But you're right. <coughs> Let's see what happens. Uh, what, uh, what may or may not happen is in the, in the future or, or hopefully nearer than, rather than further. Uh, he, has, he has had a lot of bad luck. And that team, because of that, has had a bit of bad luck as well. So we hope uh, that things work out for him. The game itself, Hamilton Mazzoli didn't look so so good, but we have since seen him play against Toronto, so we don't have to talk about how not effective he looked that first week, just under 200 yards passing, which is nothing compared to what he did the following week. Uh, Montreal at Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton won its first game uh, with Harris, uh, playing a former Eastern team that he played against a lot, the Montreal Alouettes. What did you think of uh, that victory, and, and how good do you think Harris has been as quickly as he has been? Uh, Frank, um, I watched the game, and Harris got out a little slow, but then when he got into the rhythm, I mean, he was hitting them receivers, man, right on target. And, you know, having a guy like Greg Ellison, and then you got the guys, uh, Sir Venture Rogers, some guys that he played with that – 
he had chemistry with. I mean, Sylvester Rogers was basically one of the best offensive linemen in the game last year when he was with uh, Ottawa. And, you know, the chemistry between him and Greg Ellingson is still there. You know, it's like you haven't skipped a beat. And then, you know, getting acclimated with Kenny Stafford and the rest of the other guys. I mean, man, you know, Edmonton is looking real good. Real well, they, they've they've got they've got the receivers that can help Harris look good, and as you said, bringing Ellingson in there, and once Sir Vincent Rogers comes back from his injury, which could take him out the whole season, yeah, he'll be a, a good factor as well. Ottawa defeats Calgary in Game One, uh, revenge, I guess, for losing the Grey Cup uh, the last time they played in uh, in Alberta. Of course, that was in uh, Edmonton, not Calgary. But still, in Alberta, and they did it on the road. Ottawa wasn't as impressive in this game offensively as they were in the next game, which we'll talk about a little more, a little wider. In, in this game, their defense, I think, really deserved uh, kudos here. They, they shut down Calgary quite a bit. Oh, yeah, Frank, they, they really did. And, and I was surprised. I mean, and you're right, uh, on a – on the offensive side of the ball, Ottawa didn't look great. I mean, Dominic Davis was 29 for 44, 276 yards. And and this is it right here where you can tell that they were slumping. Zero TDs, four interceptions. Absolutely. And he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't hold his head down, and he continued to play. Now, we look on the other side. We go to uh, Bo Levi. He had a, a, a all right game, uh, 23 for 39, 275, one TD, one interception. But you can you can tell it's going to take some time for this Calgary Stampeders to gel with these new receivers that they got going on. I mean, they still got Eric Rodgers. They still got uh, uh, Begleton. But everybody else, man, is brand new. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to take some time for the Calgary Stampeders to gel. They, they, they just they look too good, but the defense of Ottawa – they they help get that win on, in week one. Definitely, it's not about next man up for Calgary this year. It's next men up. So they've got yep. they've got a very young squad, one of the youngest teams in the league right now. So they do have a lot of work to do in as far as getting coached up. But uh, there's plenty of time to do that. We know in the in the Canadian Football League, the season really doesn't start until Labor Day. So this is the actual preseason. This is when you just got to stay in the hunt for a playoff spot. And yes, if you can play well enough to be in the hunt for first place, that is a, that's a bonus. But right now you just don't want to fall too far behind, especially in the Western division where we know it is going to be a dogfight. even though BC and Winnipeg, uh, sorry, I should say um, Edmonton and Winnipeg right now sit on top of the division and look like real strong contenders early on. And Winnipeg was a favorite, uh, to be considered a favorite especially. So those games those games were the first three of the game of week one. And BC and Winnipeg, Winnipeg defeats BC 33-23, two former teammates going up against it. Uh, as we know, Nichols uh, was a teammate of Riley and – Nichols won this battle, and uh, Riley's been going on a bit of a tour. You know, he's going on a tour where he's been, and there's a lot of a lot of players and a lot of quarterbacks that he's been on the same side of the field with. And this was one of those occasions. Once again, uh, BC comes up short. 
Mike, uh, can Riley be accountable for this? And, and is, or are these losses uh, around Riley as far as you're concerned, especially the first one here against, BC, um, against uh, I want to say, Winnipeg? Well, you know what, Frank? It's, it's only the first game. And, you know, this is, this is just, to me, the first. I don't care about the preseason. You know, when, 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 when that season starts, I don't care if you played in pre two, two preseason games and you and you look spectacular. When the season starts, you always get that first game jittered. And I think it was just a little jittered that he had the first game. I mean, if you look at his stats, though, I mean, 20, 22 for 39 for 324 yards, no TDs and two interceptions. I mean, that's not bad when you think about all the completion that he had with his receivers. You had Burnham. Fifty-three. Absolutely. You know, Lamar Durant, uh, six for seventy-five, and then Deron Carter, six for sixty-five, and then White, uh, three for eighteen, and then Johnson, one for seven, and then Cotney, where his name is, one for six. I mean, the ball was spread around. They just didn't pull it out in the last the last four minutes of that game. Understood. Uh, totally true, and and you know it it is something though to behold to watch a great quarterback back like that struggle. You don't you don't expect a guy like Riley to struggle, and as you know, and as I've spoken about it uh, last year and even this year, the fact that you know the Edmonton Eskimos did not make the playoffs with him as quarterback is concerning to me because we talk so much about you need to have a quarterback to be successful in the Canadian Football League, and this guy is one of the best. But for some reason, he's having a tough year and now two games into this season where winning seems to be eluding him in a fashion that we are not accustomed to, Mike. This is this is not the Riley we've grown to know, understand, and love. No, no, it's not. And, and you know what, Frank, at the same time, too, one thing we do have to remember, new offensive scheme, new offensive playbook, new weapons to throw it to. Absolutely. So the, Mike, we didn't get a chance Mike, to – go ahead. No, I was going to say Mike, Mike Riley is going to be fine, Frank. He's going to be fine. He's yeah, no, be fine. there's no but, doubt that he's going to be fine. But but it has to happen soon. Or BC is going to go through the same ritual they had last year where they use up a lot of energy to win a lot of games late to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But when when you have – an elite running back like number 33, shouts out to Andrew Harris. Hey, Carlene, how you doing? That goes 16 rushes for 148 nine, yards, 9.2 yards a carry. Listen to what I said, Frank, 9.2 yards a carry. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's an unstoppable Winnipeg Blue Bombers offense when your running back is getting 9.2 yards a carry. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. It's something to be concerned with. It's something to think about. But but definitely, from the very beginning, though, when it comes to Riley and when it comes to BC, what happened to BC last year was that they were a team that were thought to be a bit better than it turned out. Eventually, it looked early in the season. Not eventually. Early in the season, it looked like they weren't going to be a team that contends for the playoffs. Here's the thing. That early season funk 
they came out of it and went crazy down the stretch and won, I think, seven games in a row. And, and having done that, they ended up in a position where they could make the playoffs, and they were in contention even at the end of the season to maybe make a dash for home field advantage in the Great Cup playoffs. So, you know, this year they go in with a lot of fans and a lot of people thinking, hey, this, this team might actually go places. I, I, know, I know it's hard to, to pick them when they're in a group like Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Calgary. You know, as good as people thought BC could be, it would have been still very difficult. Those three teams are far and away especially with the way Harris has shown that he has been able to play right off the get-go with Edmonton, it's going to be a tough playoff chase because it's basically between Saskatchewan and them for the playoffs, it seems at this point, Mike. I don't know if I'm overstating that fact. No, no, you're not, over, you're not overstating that fact at all, Frank. Cause, um, and, and, I, and I wait to talk about Saskatchewan unless you don't already talked about them in the Red Blacks. I don't know because I couldn't hear you. But, no, that's um, okay. To, to to actually talk about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders right now, uh, even though they don't got Zach Caleros, your guy, the guy that you used to talk about last year that you liked uh, a year before last, Cody Fajaro, he had a spectacular game. Now, if, if if Cody can keep playing that way and put wins on the board, Frank, I, I, I think this is kind of going to open up the door for, like we always say, next man up. And I, I, I think they're going to have to reconsider uh, what they're going to do with Zach Caleros. Regardless if he put wins on the board or losses, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he's going to be Saskatchewan's starting quarterback for the whole season. This guy's putting we're numbers. Sli- we're sliding into week two, folks. Mike has uh, jumped to that, and that's fine. It was the next game we were going to talk about. Week two, game one, was Saskatchewan in Ottawa. Ottawa won that game 44-41. It was a display of offense, and not only not only has Harris looked good and fitting in with Edmonton, Dominique Rhymes, my Davis. goodness, it Davis. Sorry, I don't know why I'm saying Rhymes, but anyway, he he looked awesome. He looked incredible, and we both have always felt that he was a starting quarterback in the making. And he has spent a lot of time behind some pretty good quarterbacks in Calgary, in Winnipeg, and in Ottawa. So he's had some pretty good quarterbacks to learn from. Three of the best, in Mm -hmm. fact, in the Canadian Football League right now. And and you know what, Frank, and to further that, to go even before the CFL, he he was with some pretty good NFL legends. Uh, that he learned from in his time in the NFL, so he's been around great quarterbacks all his life. Uh, when he when he turned professional, and look at these numbers, Frank: thirty for thirty-nine, three hundred fifty-four yards, three TDs, nine miscompletions the whole game. The the most important stat: no interceptions. There it is. Didn't give any up. And that's a good mm-hmm. touchdown to interception ratio. Ratio three and zero. Oh. That's uh, mm-hmm. pretty good. That's as good as it can get, really, to be honest. Yeah. And he oh, has yeah. been he has been well worth the wait for Ottawa. 
And, you know, when it comes to the salary cap, and, and the other bonus with having this kind of thing with Dominique Davis playing as well as he is, you know I love, uh, you know I love Trevor Harris. Consider him a friend. He's been a, a friend of this show. He's been on here many a time. And I love the guy to death. But in the realistic world of cap space, the Ottawa Red Blacks are not paying him anywhere near what the Edmonton Eskimos are paying Harris. And that's not a bad oh, thing yeah. for Harris. That's a good thing for Harris. But it's a great thing for the Ottawa Red Blacks because a lot of that change, a lot of that money will be important for Ottawa down the road to fill some gaps. They'll have the money to do it. And that's really important. And the reason I, I was confusing him and, and was using Dominic Rimes because Dominic Rimes was a, a pretty good receiver in that game. 11 receptions for 168 yards, Dominique to Dominique. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and you know what, Frank? And, and, and you talk about the salary cap, and you know what? And they, and they got some money stored away because they want to see what's going to happen with, uh, with Deontay Spencer and the Pittsburgh Steelers because you know – if Deontay gets released, he's going to come back to Ottawa. Well, you think about the offensive lineman you mentioned, right, Sir mm-hmm. Vincent Rogers, Trevor Harris, yep. Greg Ellingson, and you just mentioned a guy in the NFL. Those are four of the top salaries from their team last year. Yep, sure it is. And, and that sure tells is. you something. And, and if they can play as well as they played these first couple of weeks, you know, but they've always been – Ottawa, Ottawa, in my opinion, okay, Ottawa is no different than Calgary. The difference between Ottawa and Calgary is that Calgary's been around longer. But every year Ottawa's been around, the first year was, a, was a, a, an opportunity for them to get their first shot and get their first opportunity to show that they have the management skills, them being the GM, the coach, and company, to be able to assert themselves within the Canadian Football League and within competing within the Canadian Football League, they have been able since year one to make changes where necessary and to be competitive ever since. They have been to the Grey Cup three times. Mhm. That's a pretty good record in five years. And they, in five years, yes, sir, yes, sir. And they didn't been to the Great Cup with two different with with two different quarterbacks. Burst and maybe and a, maybe a third this year because I tell you, before this season started, I'm a I'm an Argo season ticket holder. Not ashamed of it. Not bragging about it. Just stating that out there. And I watch them more than any other team. And, of course, watching a winner is always exciting. But the one thing that, that was clear to me before this season started, wasn't sure how they were going to turn out. It really looked like a one-horse race and that Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa would be fighting for that second place. So I thought there'd be a battle there for two of the three to fight for second place. But it really doesn't look like Hamilton's home and cooled out, never mind how well they played. Yes, they played well. 
but Ottawa's playing pretty well too. This might be a two horse race for first place. And that'll be something we haven't seen in the Eastern division to that, to the extent where both teams end up above 500. And it will not surprise me that both these teams do finish above 500. Mm-hmm. Yep. They got the talent. If, if, if Dominique Davis isn't figured out, if they protect him well enough with schemes that help keep the opposition defense a little off their off footing, if they can work out an offense and, and work out on, on, you know, Dominique's maybe uh, predictability and eliminate some of that predictability, ensure that Dominique Davis is protected in the pocket. This guy can run too. So it's not like he has to stay in the pocket. This guy is the real deal. And, you know, he replaces in my mind where I thought Pipkin would be. I don't know how you feel about that. But Dominic Davis, I think, is he, he's taken, uh, as far as I'm concerned, in the East at the very least, for sure. Well, actually, in the league. Uh, where is there a young quarterback as good as him in the league so far this early in the season? <laughs> I tell you what, Frank, he's, he's right now he's – the number one on top right there as far as young quarterbacks. He is. He has the magic touch right now. Now, having said that, having said that, uh, they played the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and they won 41-44. You know, you mentioned how I felt about Cody, Cody, Cody Ferrardo, and I still feel the same way about him. I think he's a great quarterback who has had opportunities taken from him in ways that no one should have opportunities taken from him from anyone. Mm -hmm. And it isn't about, it isn't about coaches making bad decisions. It's not about systems, not appropriate for him, simply bad luck injuries, you know, opportunities that just evaporated on him after he showed such great promise, in my opinion, in Hamilton in his first day there, then he had that injury. He came to Toronto. I think he looked really good. They made the trade, if you remember, for you know Mr. Willie. Mm-hmm. After a game where Fajardo showed what he could do, that put him in the rearview mirror again. Then he goes, of course, uh, to... Um, BC, BC. Did he? He went. Mm-hmm. He, he went to BC, right? So now he, yeah, he's, in a, he, he's in a place where you know he gets a chance uh, to maybe show his stuff. But then you know what happens? The old veteran gets up there and makes it all happen. And you know Travis Lule, I'm referring to. So this has been a hard luck quarterback, and now for the first time, he's benefiting, not being punished by an injury. And yes. the injury that Zach Caleros has given Cody Fajardo an opportunity, or Fajardo, an opportunity to show what he can do. And he has shown much. He has shown uh, a composure. And, you know, don't forget, folks, I said this when we talked about Ottawa and Calgary. Ottawa's defense beat Calgary. So Fajardo put together a a pretty good list of statistics against a team that kept Calgary to one touchdown, something that's unheard of 
in recent memory with the Calgary Stampeders. Sure did. And, and Frank, if, if I may go ahead and give out his stats, he was 27 for 34 for 360 yards, two TDs, and zero interceptions. And he's going to be facing his former team on mm-hmm. July 1st. We'll talk about that yeah. in the future. Uh, yeah, so in this game, a few other things that I think are, are, are important as well. It, it wasn't, you know, between Madhu and Davis, they ran for 93 yards. You've got to run in this, in this league because it's that mm-hmm. hard to do. And, of course, between Thigpen and Powell, Saskatchewan did pretty well as well. You know, they, they had 90, 102 yards between those two running backs. Fajardo with 10 and Kyron Moore with minus four. So the running game is working for Saskatchewan. It just didn't work for them, you know, against, against uh, you know, Ottawa. And, and I think the, the thing that amazes me more than anything when it comes to Ottawa is the, the way R.J. Harris and Dominique Rimes have picked up the slack, having been given the opportunities. And Jean Boileau, Christophe, he was there to make some key saves, see key, key receptions, sorry. Amazing. Uh, and again, I keep talking about Ottawa and their ability to rebuild their team on the move. And that's what they've done. And they've done a marvelous job again, again this year. You know, they're up there yes, with Calgary did. in that regard. Mm-hmm. They, they was able to bring a lot of players in, Frank, without having to really, really open up that pocketbook too much to spend and overpay players. They really brought in some good kid dishes. And it's working out for them. Absolutely. And if you look at the receiving end uh, in uh, Saskatchewan, Kyron Moore, 117 yards. Not saying who is he, but I am. I'm saying who is he. And Shaq Evans, we knew last year that he was a guy who could bust through, and he's busted through, and he's doing a great job. And, of course, Naman Roosevelt, you don't expect him to get a lot of yardage because you're going to have the old situation where the key receiver is going to see a lot of jerseys of the opposite color during his routes, mm-hmm. before, and, during, yep. and after his routes. And after, yep. And then we got the old veteran, Corey Watson, who had two receptions for 28 yards. The Wiley vet. <laughs> you know? yeah, there you go. So, I mean, it, yeah. it, it is, it is uh, you know, it's important. It's important that you have a running game. It's important that you have receivers that the ball sticks to. And as we've discussed from the beginning here, it's very important that you have quarterbacks that give receivers a chance to catch the ball. And that's what Cody Fajardo did in that game, as Dominique Davis did. And a little bit of running game doesn't hurt, Mike. That doesn't hurt at all. Doesn't hurt at all. And as much as we're bragging on the Ottawa Red Blacks, Saskatchewan has uh, – reason to be hopeful. I mean, I, I hope the Ryder fans aren't uh, looking at the 0-2 record. Like, the 0-2 record that they have right now is not a strong 0-2 record, Mike. Uh, they could have won this game as much as they lost it. Yeah, yeah they, they could have. They one and one. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, don't, yeah, I'm like you. Don't hold your head down because you're 0-2. You guys have a very good team. You have a very good quarterback at him right now. 
that's playing lights out football. And it's only the second week. We still got uh, hmm, a couple more of weeks games left. A couple yeah. of weeks left. We've got a couple. Yeah. We've got a couple of weeks left. We still got some stuff that's going to be going on. Absolutely. Yeah. So forty-four, forty-one for Ottawa. The Red Blacks beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And keep in mind as well that the Rough Riders are on the road. They play their first home game on July 1st against the Argonauts who are visiting. Uh, Montreal, um, uh, sorry, I skipped the page there. I shouldn't have. Uh, BC went to Edmonton. We skimmed over this a little bit. Edmonton wins it 39-23. Needless to say, Mike, uh, this was uh, a disappointment for Mike Riley. Uh, Listening to the interviews, we heard how he felt his team maybe, you know, took uh, unnecessary, well, when's a penalty necessary, uh, you know, penalties they shouldn't have taken, uh, that, and, and he feels, and, and he's not a guy who's just passing the blame on. He's saying, you know, I should have done a better job as well. The question really is, Mike, can this team, did we see some hope in BC? We know we saw an Edmonton team that looks serious with a quarterback that is going to lead this team to the opportunity of winning a lot of games if the defense can do their share, that being the Edmonton Eskimos. Hey, Frank, let, let, me, let me explain something to you about the Edmonton Eskimos here. Uh, it's nothing against the BC Lions, but BC Lions played against a, a great defense. Mike Riley, 14 for 27, 149 yards, one TD, one interception. Now, this is where the defense steps in, Frank. White, eight carries, 24 yards. Mike Riley, uh, six for 24. And, and and Rutley, one for five. Come on, man. When, you're, when your quarterback and your running back only get uh, 48 yards between them and then Rutley add another five in, come on, man. The defense is, is, is on him, like a ball hawk, as they say. I mean, he was being pressured all game. And then if you think about the receiving core, I mean, we don't really have stellar numbers here going down the list here. Deron Carter, six for 42. Uh, uh, Johnson, two for 41. Burnham, one for 33. Burnham, one reception for 33 yards, Frank. Come on now. That's your guy right there. That defense was on them from the time that whistle started to the time that whistle ended. So they just played against a heck of a defense that was ball hungry and they wanted that win. And and CJ Gable, CJ Gable ran at will. Something he yeah. can do. Gable, yes. Oh yeah. You know. Now you go to the you go to the Eskimos. Trevor Harris had a pretty good one. Twenty five for thirty three, two ninety four, three TDs, zero interception. But you're right, CJ Gable. Twenty three carries for hundred and eleven yards, four point eight yard average. Come on. And then, well, running and back then of course, over hundred yards. You're, you no, you're that's, put that that helps. And then, and then the guy you bring in that Ottawa's uh, Ottawa's former Ottawa, Greg Allingson, who uh, knows Harris really well, 174 yards on nine receptions. This makes a difference. This makes yes. a big difference, and it and it, it did. Like, I mean, when you talked about Kenny Stafford, and he 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 had two catches for 15 yards. That's it's pretty good when you have these other guys making some catches. Of course, you know, Greg Ellingson alone was a, a receiving machine, you know, 174 yards. And he showed us why, you know, we think 
we thought, we believed that Ottawa would miss him. But, you know, again, Ottawa found some replacements. But it's not because Greg Ellingson isn't doing his thing. Exactly. And if you look at the look at the average front for Greg Ellingson that game, 19.3 yards. And and that's not really uh, I'm not I'm not saying he's not a, you know, a, a big number receiver, but he's the guy that usually bails the, you know, Harris out, you know, makes those catches to keep drives going. But those aren't the kind mm-hmm. of stats to keep drives going. Those are stats that are the drive. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. You've got to really appreciate the job that he did. This game, of course, came down to, you know, um, when uh, the BC Lions, I mean, Deron Carter led the team in yardage, 42 yards on six receptions. Um, you know, he's doing his part, you know, and, and we're not hearing much about Deron Carter, which is a good thing because you don't want to hear about Deron Carter other than what he does on the field. And it seems uh, we're not hearing anything, so that's good news. And I think we both want to see Deron Carter be successful in the Canadian Football League. Those kind of stats might not look really good, but when you consider best receiver on the night, you can't you can't shake a stick at that or anything else. Sure can't. Sure can't. That is the score for this game, 39-23. The Edmonton Eskimos over the BC Lions, former Edmonton Eskimo quarterback, Mike Riley, loses to former Edmonton, sorry, former Ottawa Red Black quarterback, who's now in Edmonton, Trevor Harris. So a big game for them. They, they did a great job. Congratulations to Edmonton. And this is a team that wants to get the taste out of their mouth of last season. Home of the Grey Cup for last year didn't make the playoffs. They don't look like they're going to put up with that happening this year, Mike. No, they, they're not, Frank. They're not. And I, and I just hope they can keep the drive going. You know, we already know, you know, when the season, as far as the season goes, you know, some teams get the little slumping and then little nagging injuries always come about. It happens. It's football. But if, the, if Edmonton can keep the drive going the way they are, oh, my gosh. Whew. That West they're going. Fight. They're yes. going, and, and they're doing it well. They're well. They're well deserving of their two wins. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. of wins, uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats won their second game of the season. They're two and zero. They're up there with Ottawa, leading the Eastern Division. Uh, the Argos were their victims, and I think calling them a victim on this night, I think, is a pretty fair statement. Who would have thought that the Hamilton Tiger Cats would drive down the QEW, land at BMO Field, and roll all over the Toronto Argonauts to the tune of 64-14, to a 50-point differential. Ouch, if you're an Argo. Yeah, and that was a really big ouch. And if, and if you look at the, the score by quarters, Frank, did you see the numbers in the, by quarters? Okay, granted... The first quarter, it was tied 3-3. But then you go to the second quarter, they put up 17 points. I'm talking about the tie catch. It uh, got third worse. quarter, it hit 20, 21. Fourth quarter, you go 23. Whew. This, this uh, you know, watching it, watching it from the press box, which uh, 
offers a distraction. It's a little distracting watching a game from the press box. It's not the same as, uh, you know, being halfway up, you know, the, the lower bowl or, or most of the way up a lower bowl. You can follow the game a little easier. But as well as I could follow it and as well as I did, it didn't seem like the Argos could do anything right and the Hamilton Tiger Cats could do no wrong. That's what it looked like to me. You, 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 know what, you know what I think it is, Frank? With this, with the Argos having that first bye week in the first week of the season, I think they just, they just, they came out and they wasn't ready. They, they, they wasn't ready. You know, Hamilton had a, a good game the first, the first week. It wasn't spectacular, but they had a good game. And they were already on the roll, Frank. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm not making no excuses for the boatmen, but they didn't come to play. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna offer this piece of commentary, and and maybe I shouldn't, but but in my opinion, the problems at running back. James Wilder carried six times for an average of two yards, twelve yards rushing, and those were the only rushing yards by the Toronto Argonauts. You're not going anywhere with yeah. that kind of statistic coming out of the backfield. No. Nope. And this is the problem the Argos had last year. They they lacked a running game. And it might be a time to maybe sit Wilder and put someone else out there. I know as, as horrible, like I said, I don't, I don't even like hearing myself say it because it's hard to believe that a James Wilder is not the guy that can, you know, get you some yardage. Uh, but, you know, it appears as far as, you know, this is concerned, this game and, and this season, and if you tack it on to last year, the biggest problem with the Argos the past couple of years, and now it's still there this year, is they're not producing the runs, the run games. You know, they're not getting the kind of runs they need. You know what, Frank, and, and, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I do want to say this. They played against a Hamilton defense that's ball hawks, like like the Edmonton Eskimos. Any if you looked at it, anytime James Wilder touched that ball, they were on him. They were on him quick, fast. You know, they they were just they were just on that game. Now, do I expect no, James absolutely. Wilder to have any of these these subpar games week after week? No, I don't. He's gonna have a breakout game, Frank. And and I think the Argos are due for a breakout game. Now, I'm I'm looking at this receiving core. That we have, we still we still got um, uh, Noel. He's 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 out there in the starting lineup now. I, I, I was hoping for big things out of him uh, coming to this season, since he was on the team last year and kind of got his feet wet a little bit. Um, the little guy, man from uh, uh, Appalachian State, Edwards, Amani Edwards, and then we got Darrell Walker, and we still got re- old reliable S.J. Green. Uh, they're gonna have to do something about getting Darrell Walker that ball more. Well, and you know, Wilder had 33 yards and three receptions coming out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the reasonable yardage, you know, reasonably divided, you know, Edwards was 73, Noel was 71, Darrell Walker was 67, S.J. Green was 53. So it's not like it's not like they were keying on any individual. And I think that's what the problem is. If they're, I, I get what you're saying about about you know the run game being smothered by a great Hamilton defense, 
But if it really was getting smothered by the defense, there would be openings in, you know, as far as the receivers are concerned, and also, you know, the short passing game. But it seemed to me that the Argos don't have a running game, and that lack of running game allows the defenses and will allow the defenses this year to key on on the receivers such as Darrell Walker. Um, I don't know whether it was my imagination. Uh, I didn't like the the body language when when um, S.J. Green was talking to Franklin. Uh, S.J. Green looked almost dis, you know disconsolate. You know he didn't seem to really be interested in hearing what Franklin had to say. He wasn't looking at him, and and that concerns me. Um, the chemistry on the team needs to be established. The players need to play for each other. Uh, whether the reason why S.J. Green looked disinterested was not because of Franklin, maybe by virtue of the way the defense was covering him and, and him not getting the kind of passes he thinks he should get. So it may not have been something personal about Franklin. But I do know that S.J. Green is, is a winner. He likes to yep. win. And he understands the gravity of a game between the Toronto Argonauts and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yes, sir. And if anybody has never met S.J. Green, one thing I can tell you, he's one of the coolest guys you can ever talk to. He's very laid back. Uh, You're not going to see a guy who who gets overly excited or overly the opposite of excited. Uh, He does a masterful job of doing what he does. Now, the Argos ended up with a... I heard kicker, which means our co-host, Zach Medeiros, is on the practice roster again. Congratulations, Zach. Yes, sir. Congratulations, Zach. The next game we talk about will be the next week, and that'll be week three. But before we talk about week three, uh, we can talk about a couple of things. What do you think of the international players? Uh, have you been impressed, unimpressed? you have any comments on the international players as far as what you've seen? Uh, Hamilton had a kicker kick in that game against the Argos. Uh, Frank, no, I have no comment on them because I got to read the names and watch them on the field a little bit more, so I won't comment on it. Okay, so you haven't seen enough from them. Nope. Yeah, and, and what I will say is I haven't either. haven't seen enough to make a, a serious judgment call on them. But what I can tell you is all the teams in the league are very happy with the effort they're getting from these players. Keep in mind, these are players that are not sure they could have ever played professional football, and now they're getting a chance to actually consider and play professional football. So there's a level of appreciation that isn't lost on these players. It's an opportunity that did not exist, and now it does. So we're going to find out which one of these guys are good enough to be factors in the Canadian Football League. I, I can't wait. Uh, I, I think it's awesome that, they, that, that they're in here. Uh, unlike some people who are nervous about you know, bringing in players outside of Canada and the United States, I welcome it. Uh, it also has uh, you know, attracted interest and TV stations, even in Toronto, of Latino origin, that are covering the Argos this year, who covered TFC because of the Spanish influence on TFC, and now have a Spanish influence, a Mexican, Spanish, blah, 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 influence on their football team, which is allowing the Argos to be covered 
uh, by an ethnic group, which I think is all good. I think it's a great opportunity to give people a relatable group of guys to follow. That's always a good thing in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir, Frank. And you know what? Um, a lot of people uh, were were against it, was kind of nervous. But I think the CFL hit the jackpot with this, with with, with the way they're doing this, bringing in guys from other football leagues from other countries, because it's going to give the CFL more uh, tele- television view overseas. Uh, people that don't know nothing about the CFL is going to watch because. Um, Maybe a couple of guys from Mexico or a couple of guys from Germany, uh, Spain, whatever, are on these teams. So they're going to get more TV time overseas, and people will get a chance to see what the CFL is all about and know about these CFL style of rules different from the NFL game. So I think the the, the, the CFL hit the jackpot when they did this, Frank. I, I, I love it. I love it. It is something that one should be very pleased with, no doubt about it. And 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 just look for more bigger things to come. And as, as these guys, within the next couple of years, learn to play the foot, play the game right. That's that's looking to be CFL hopefuls in Mexico and in and Germany. Now let me now let me tell you guys that's listening now. Over in Germany, this is not where they've been having football for a couple of years, and everybody trying to get to the game. Germany been having professional football over there before the World League of American Football was even based over in Germany. When they had the World League over there now, the game just wasn't that popular. So these teams have been around for a long time. And I have a guy over there that plays quarterback in GFL, and I watch some of these games, and, Frank, let me tell you, these athletes are not holding them up when it comes to size, the way they play, and, you know, just get coached up a little bit. That's all they need. It's all these guys can play some – that's all they need. They can play. They can play. Well, that's all anybody wants, right, is a chance to play. And, and if they can use that opportunity yes, to be successful, why not? And, uh, you know, uh, they'll raise interest, uh, hopefully, in the Canadian Football League back home. Uh, the TV business, as we know, with TSN, it's basically what uh, is – the main reason why the league has an ability to survive is because TSN's money is used to basically fund the league so that it can operate, which raises the question about that's been raised about attendance is down about 10, 15% around the league. Some suggest that the reason that is, is that Edmonton and Saskatchewan, uh, sorry, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, two of the biggest drawing teams have not been at home yet. So, those are two of the bigger draws that, that haven't been considered yet in the league-wide average as far as season um, player, uh, sorry, fans visiting you know, all the different stadiums in the Canadian Football League. I, I, have, to, I have to be uh, concerned, as always, whenever I see empty seats. That's a concern wherever you go. You know, in BC, the way they handled it is they cover the, the upper bowl and they only have the two bottom bowls to to sell the uh, same thing's true with the Toronto Argonauts where the upper bowl on the, on the East side is not for sale. Only the lower bowl. Uh, these are all things that tell us that the CFL could use more fans. There's room for more fans to enjoy the game in person. And uh, this is the challenge, you know, that the commissioner and company 
are up against. And right now, a lot of people are pointing at the lack of uh, of attendance and also the fact that the league isn't uh, posting the attendance as they have in the past, along with the scores each and every week. Um, that's another thing. So that kind of draws attention and, and basically creates the opportunity for media types to ask questions like, hmm, why aren't they showing the stats as far as attendance is concerned? Is there something they're not telling us? And I think that's a tempest in the teapot because we will see, we will see as the season goes on, if the attendance, once we get a third of the way, then we can revisit this issue and whether there's an attendance problem in the Canadian football league. Yeah. Yeah. Frank, you got to remember, man, these kids just getting out of school, out of high school, middle school, elementary. A lot of people going on vacation in the summertime. They're not on the first couple of weeks uh, just because they're not in the stands. That doesn't mean they're not watching it at home or wherever they at. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I was in Mississippi, and I had my my uh, my uh, TV dialed on ESPN Plus watching football. So it's summertime. Everybody's on vacation and enjoying and relaxing. They're at the pool and stuff like that, so don't worry about the tennis. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna come back up. I don't even worry about it. I like uh, the week two accuracy grade that the Canadian Football League (CFL.ca) has put out. In week two, the accuracy grade was Jeremiah Mazzoli at seventy-three point two percent in first, right behind him at seventy-three point two percent. Dane Evans, another tie cat. Dominique Davis at 72%. Cody Fajardo at 69.4. Trevor Harris, 67.2. That's uh, pretty far down for Trevor Harris. McLeod Bethel Thompson at 63.4. Mike Riley at 61.6. And the bottom of that list is occupied by James Franklin. Uh, the, the hope of the Toronto Argonauts at 61.4%. Receptions, and that is something that you know the Argos right now. As I said to you before, as much as the receiving doesn't look that good, or the or the quarterback percentages on 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 passing don't look that good, their running game has to improve. That are you surprised by that list of names? For example, Cody Fajardo ending up in front of Trevor Harris and Dominic Davis ahead of both. Does that surprise oh, no, you or? Hmm. No, that don't surprise me at all. This kid can play. He just he just got to be had to be at the right place at the right time. He can show what he can do. Believe me, he's going to put up some big numbers this year, especially if he's be the quarterback through the whole season. I, I like the way, I like the direction Saskatchewan Riders is going. I like the direction, Frank. I love it. I I, I can't I can't disagree with the way they're going either. Uh, they, you know. That game between the Riders and Red Blacks is going to be one that people are going to talk about all year, not just the Red Blacks fans. I know I'm going to be talking about it all year and and how that could have gone either way and how it was an offensive display. And it's not that the defenses were poor. You know, that's the thing. You know, these were offenses that earned their points. They really did. They earned them. And and look look at this number, Frank. Between the two quarterbacks, the 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 overall yardage between these two guys was seven hundred and fourteen yards in passing between these two. Seven hundred fourteen. 
they were airing it out. So, uh, do you do you think uh, BC's zero and two record is something for them to be concerned about, Mike? Nope, not at all. And what what Remember, what do you what do you attribute to your hope on their behalf? Mike Riley's just struggling a little bit, Frank. I mean, you got to remember this is a whole new coaching staff. I mean, you got you got uh, uh, um, Curry Books, the head coach. You got um, our guy Keith Stokes. Shout out to Keith. He's the receivers coach out there. I mean, you got a whole new coaching staff out there, Frank, and you got whole new different players out there. They got to get acclimated to this offensive scheme. Uh, they got to get reacclimated to Mike Riley because this is not the same playbook that he had when he was in Edmonton. That made him look so good. He got to get acclimated with the whole playbook, the whole team again. And remember, BC Lions some years ago started out on six. And where were they at at the end of on six? They won the Great Cup. Absolutely. So, uh, am I am I worried about the BC Lions right now? No, I'm not. Now, when we get to week eight and it still be some slumps, then I'll say yeah, I'm worried. But right now, nah, I'm not worried. Not worried at all. Speaking uh, for me, for me, I'm not concerned about BC simply because you have a coach who doesn't have that much experience as a head coach, who understands the game and I think is a really good coach. He does need some help, and I know Wally's not around, but it would have been great if Wally had have stuck around just to give a few pointers. You know, just sit in an office and and wait. You know, to get asked some questions, I think would be would have been very beneficial for the head coach. But sometimes. You know, it comes down to, do you consider it interfering or helping? Is it helping or interfering? So, you know, um, as easy as it is for me to say, you know, second guess based on what's happening right now, saying, oh, well, maybe he could use some coaching help. That's just a shot in the dark that I'm taking. Uh, that's not something I believe very seriously. I just, in my opinion, it's 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 just that you have, a, to me, a natural suggestion only it's not one that i know to be a solution or anything but uh, for an inexperienced head coach it would be nice to have an ultra experienced head coach to offer some consultation right something like that to give him some help some help in uh, you know guiding him a little bit where he might need to gain some experience mike oh yeah of course frank and 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 i you hit the nail on the head and i feel the same way but you know what uh, Devon Claybrooks is going to play through it. He's going to he's going to get through it, and the BC Lions are going to start putting up uh, some wins and putting up uh, playing much better than what they were. It's just first, like you said, first year coach, unexperienced. He's going to go through the the growing pains of being a head coach. I mean, hey, we were saying the same thing about Michael Shea some years back when he first got the gig in uh. And Winnipeg, <laughs> first yeah, head coach. You know, things things didn't work out great off the get go. There was some time. Mm-hmm. There was time there when that first year, where 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 we were talking, I wonder if he'll survive the first season. He mm-hmm. did pretty well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So you know, yeah. So he's going to go through his growing planes, Frank, and he's going to lick his wounds and get back out there. You know, Devon Claybrooks then wasn't that good defensive coordinator for Calgary for all them years for nothing. So the guy knows football. You know, new position, uh, head coach. Now you just got to go ahead and fight through it. That's all. BC knew what they were yeah. getting into, Frank. Yeah, and then you got to look at it uh, from this perspective as well, from the GM's perspective of BC. He has a new coach and he has a lot of new players, and he is 
he has disposed of Emmanuel Arsenal, who was a central figure in that organization and that team, on and off yes. the field. Yes. And, you know, that was a big surprise to me, to be honest with you, that Manny was gone. But, I mean, hey, it is what it is. It's the CFL, you know. If they finish the that producing, world. next man up. Yep, cap world, next man up. <laughs> tis what it is. So mm-hmm. we've, we've discussed, uh, and, and just to review, for those of you that have just joined us, we reviewed week one, a week two. We're talking a little bit about some of the some of the – background information in as far as what what we're learning about these teams figuring out is Saskatchewan an 0-2 team we discussed the fact that we don't think it's an 0-2 team here's on the on 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 the counterbalance of that the Argo like they're not as much as Saskatchewan isn't an 0-2 team by the way the Argos played their first and only game they might be an 0-2 team right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they they almost <laughs> lost two games in one. I mean, that is a deep hole for that team to come out of, Mike. And or or is it something that that you know uh, we can overstate and and maybe just you know this is a team that just wasn't ready for game one, and and this is the kind of result that could help them going down the road. Yeah, Frank. I don't think they were ready for game one. I I just don't think they were ready for game one. I, do I see do I see them uh, improving? Oh yes, I do. I, I, I see them improving, and you know, again at the same time when we were talking about um, Corey Chamberlain, I mean uh, Clay Books. Hey, Corey Chamberlain, this is his first ride in a long time, being a head coach of a football team too. So he's going to take his lumps, uh, being a head coach of the Argos too. But they just got to get over the hump, and they, they, they just got don't. Lay your head down, man. Get back up and think about what you got to do the next week. Absolutely. Any other uh, conversations about uh, issues that have uh, become, um, you know, something to think about? Uh, out of the commissioner's office, uh, the replays, the I, – I, I haven't seen – you know, I haven't seen video review be an issue this this year. Have you? I, I, I you know, I, I think they've done a good job of calling the game and not letting, you know, at least when the when the flags are thrown by the coaches, they don't it doesn't seem to be a long-term problem that takes a lot of time to fix this year. They seem to have tightened it pretty good. What do you think? Early in the season, yeah. two weeks in. Yeah, they 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 did, Frank. They they tightened it up pretty good and um I I don't have an issue with with the uh with the uh, calls. They've been getting it right so far. And getting it I mean, right you is can't, the bottom line, right? That's what you need. You yeah. gotta have you get yeah. you, you want to have getting it right. Yeah, you got to. And and you know it's gonna be some missed calls out through the season, but I mean they're only human. You're not gonna get every call right. You're not gonna see every call, but you know they're working on it. Absolutely. When we come back, we're gonna take a short break. We're gonna talk about the, this week's top performers and see if we disagree with the Canadian Football League. Diversity is strength. CFL teams will incorporate a wide variety of activations and activities into their individual Diversity is Strength game days. 
Some teams will be hosting visitors and fans from remote areas of Canada or facilitating citizenship ceremonies to welcome new Canadians to our country and our game. Fans can experience pregame and halftime cultural showcases as teams celebrate their heritage and community. This year, participating teams will wear special edition t-shirts in team colors on the sidelines and during the pregame walkthrough to honor trailblazers such as Tiger Cat Bernie Custis, the first black quarterback in professional football, and Ottawa's Joanne Pollock, the first female general manager in the CFL and in North American professional sport. A league shirt which features the CFL's Diversity is Strength mission statement will also be for sale on cflshop.ca. Proceeds from both shirts will go to the CFL team's charitable activities, which serve diverse communities across the country. Thank you, Canadian Football League. Yep, and uh, we heard from Chris Van Zyl, a new tie cat, Rico Murray, new tie cat. We heard from Jeremiah Mazzoli, good tie cat. And finally, uh, our last Hamilton Tiger Cat, a tribute to the winning team. They deserve the attention we're giving them tonight, Dylan Wynn. Long time no see. Hey, maybe, maybe how you <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> With Dylan Wynn. Dylan, uh, a sack and a new dance. I mean, I saw you. Not a new dance. Showing it up. I, did it. I, did, I kind of broke that out last year. Um, I had one of it, and people liked it, I guess. And so, you know, gotta gotta give credit to the hips when they get you home, right? <laughs> I uh, was sitting with the fans when that uh, when that happened, and I was asked, I was asked, did he do that with the Argos? I did it once, yeah. Um, and it's it's catchy. I don't got a lot of rhythm, but I feel like that makes people think I got rhythm, so, you know, <laughs> Describe to us the opportunity to play for another team and what, what it, how it helps your career on a positive side. Um, this is actually the first time I've ever played on another team in the same league in my entire football career, and um, it's just when you're playing in a league like this with so many quality players and um, getting an opportunity to play with people like Ted, JG, Hauser, Tracy, Westerman, and just meeting all these new guys and new people and new experiences. It's, you really bring in the whole CFL experience, and it's, it's fun. And you learn a lot more because now you have a whole set of guys to learn Absolutely, from. absolutely. It's nice being a little tenured in the league and um, seeing different perspectives and how uh, other teams go about things because to this point in my career, I've only had experience with one team, and in the NFL college here, so um, it's really cool. It's really cool. Well, congratulations on the sack. Great start to a new year. Appreciate it. Well, good to see you, buddy, and good luck. Thank you. Uh, that was Dylan Wynn, uh, formerly of the Toronto Argonauts, uh, now of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, four of which players have played last year. Uh, well, no, actually, Rico Murray was in Ottawa last year, so he ended up in Hamilton by way of Ottawa. But for recent Argos, now in Hamilton, I think part of the reason why the motivation by that team was to play so well, and they had the other team figured out. I mean, you want to talk about scouting? Yeah, that might have helped a little bit. If you're a CFL fan and you haven't had the opportunity to go on the road with the team, CFL games are are a lot of fun to go on the road. Uh, you get a chance to be heckled by the opposition. And usually, and most times, in a friendly sporting manner, uh, as does happen normally when when we go uh, 
to Hamilton or when I go to Ottawa or when I go to Saskatchewan. I've had some fun times there and, uh, you know, representing the Argonauts as a fan, not just the, the commentator. Uh, I have been, for the sake, this is my editorial, my opportunity to um, mention that uh, my days as a fan uh, have, um, I'm, I'm becoming less and less a fan and more covering the team. And, and the reason that is, and, and I'll listen to anybody who wants to give me an opinion, you know, if they hear this and give me their side, it's difficult to be among the rest of the reporters uh, when they're aware that you're a fan. It's difficult to be in the press box because they're waiting to see if, as a fan, you're going to cheer, which you're not allowed to do in the press box. Do I prefer being in the press box? You want to know the truth? Not going to lie to you. I still have my season tickets. Not going to give them up. But it's nice to have the statistics. It's nice to have a laptop in front of you to listen to the game when you can to look at the statistics in the game that are going on live and at the moment, which has as much to do about being a fan or a reporter. There's limited space in the press box, and therefore there's a limited opportunity to enjoy the game in that fashion, in that manner. And that's why when I, when I cover the game and when I talk to you about the game, I talk to you about the game with a love in my heart for the game because of the welcoming nature of the Toronto Argonauts, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Ottawa Red Blacks, the Montreal Alouettes, the Edmonton Eskimos. I have yet to be to the other cities. I'm hoping and planning on going to Moncton for the Atlantic Bowl that the Toronto Argonauts are going to be playing against the Montreal Alouettes. Frank Kirby and, and family are, are looking forward to seeing me. And Frank, I'm doing my best to go there. I posted that budget-wise, it was going to be difficult for me to go to Saskatchewan this year for the game between the Argonauts and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I'm going to be blunt and honest with you. The bad luck is, is that it happens July 1st, you know, Victoria Day. The ticket to go right now, if you didn't buy it soon enough, you could probably save about 100, 150 bucks if I made arrangements way back when. But I didn't know I could go. I have some stuff going on in my life, which means I can't plan that far ahead. I'm living week to week, month to month, due to circumstances. So, I looked to, to get a ticket to go to, to get on the on the plane to go to Saskatchewan, eleven hundred bucks, nine hundred and eighty two dollars, as low as nine hundred and seventy bucks. It's an expensive trip for a game. Now, I shouldn't whine about that because I have people who've opened their arms, their homes and places for me to sleep, which, you know, takes the edge off going on a trip, right? But it's still only a five, if I want to come back and be here in time for the Argo game against BC, they play Saskatchewan on the first and in Saskatchewan, and then they're back here at home on the sixth against the BC Lions. 
And, and I feel as though it's just not enough time to spend time with the friends that I've made in Saskatchewan. And so, therefore, I make this decision, this dumb decision that I'm not going. And then as time rolls on, it becomes regretful that I made the original decision to not commit to go. So I don't know how you guys feel when you're, when you're planning to do things and when you're hoping to go places and, and when you're trying to follow a team for the rest of you, like Bill Howe, uh, you know, uh, Tony Dejeuner, uh, there's tons of people, uh, Darson Samer. These are all people that are the Kingsleys, uh, Granger, Granger and company, um, you know, all these people travel to go follow their team, to go check out what it's like. And if you haven't been to Mosaic, you really are missing something. As much as I've been told that I'm missing Winnipeg, I haven't been in Winnipeg yet. That I'm, That's on my bucket list, and I'm planning on getting there. Uh, it just won't be this year because if I don't go to, well, regardless of whether I go to Regina this weekend, I'm going for the Great Cup. So it's not like I won't be seeing my Regina friends, you know, in uh, 2019. It just might not be, um, you know, being there while the Argos are there playing the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The odds of both those teams being in the Grey Cup right now (laughs) don't look that strong because they're bottom feeders right now. But I can assure you, for those of you that are Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans, they are not going to be bottom feeders by long, per long. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention in as far as the riders are concerned and riders fans are concerned, uh, my friend uh, Rod Peterson has the, the Rod Peterson Show, which now he has on Facebook Live every day between 10 and 12 Saskatchewan time. That would be 12 and 2 Toronto time. And uh, I guess that would be 9 to 11 British Columbia time, BC time. I'll be on his uh, program. I'll be closing the show uh, on uh, Friday, uh, which will be uh, the last possible moment to talk about whatever's going on between the Toronto Argonauts and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So I hope you'll tune into that as well. So that's my little dissertation on traveling with the team It's so much fun. I really do regret if I don't end up going to Regina this weekend. Trust me, there will be a lot of regret, and I've had a lot of it already. So for those of you that are going on the road to to see other things, Mike, uh, every year goes to the Great Cup, as I do. We love going on the road when it comes to the Canadian Football League. It's an awesome experience. Wherever I've been, Mike, wherever you've been, pretty good. Oh yeah, Frank, pretty good. And you know, I was I was discussing with my brother, um, and I was discussing with Ebony about which CFL games we're gonna go to this year. You know, my work schedule has picked up, has double loaded on me, so now I just have to try to make time to go to certain games. You know, I figure I'm gonna put in about three regular games this year and Got my Grey Cup tickets already, so I'm going to Grey Cup for sure. I, I guess but, you're not looking at Sydney right now. Nah, 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 not just yet. But Sydney, <laughs> Sydney says, she say, uh, I said we're gonna go to, go to Toronto. We're gonna go to Wonderland, Frank. So she says, um, are we going to the Argo game? 
I want to get back on the field with the cheerleaders. I said, you remember that? She said, yes, I remember. I was on the on the field with the cheerleaders. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Sydney is Michael's six-year-old daughter, and she has grown up a CFL fan. She has been coming to the CFL games since, since she is three. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, I think three. I don't know if she made it yep. to any games when she was two, Mike. I think she, I, yeah, matter of fact, her first CFL game was when she was two years old. There you go. Two years old. I, I, I mm-hmm. wasn't sure, but there you go. Yep. So she's grown up a CFL fan. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, and that's and that's pretty amazing. Uh, you're going to Wonderland. For those of you that don't know what Wonderland is, in Toronto, that's our version of, uh, you know, Disney World. Rides and stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and you're mentioning to a kid, a six-year-old, about going there, and the kid says, yeah, but what about the CFL football game? Mm-hmm. And, and we both looked at we, we both looked at it, Frank, like, huh? <laughs> she was like, yeah, I want to go to the Argos game. <laughs> we like, young lady, oh, okay. <laughs> the young lady has been indoctrinated. She's a CFL yes. fan. And, of course, you know, a lot of that has to credit to that has to go to, of course, uh, Michael Pinball Clemens, who who has done a masterful job of promoting the team. And he was, uh, we tell this story and we'll tell it every year. We haven't told it yet this year. We'll tell it now. Uh, Mike was talking about being down there with the cheerleaders. The reason that, that Sydney was down with the cheerleaders is because Mike Pinball Clemens jumped up to say hello on the railing and saw this Young girl, at that time she was four, I believe, because it was a couple of years ago at least, right, Mike? He picked mm-hmm. her up and he brought her down to the field and he put her with the cheerleaders. And, of course, the Argo cheerleaders, as accommodating as any group of young women can be to a young girl, they were. And uh, it was important to Sydney because Dad was running around the stadium looking for some pom-poms he could buy and he couldn't come up with any. And pretty much missed the whole quarter of the game looking for the pom poms in the you know in the uh, uh, above the stands in the you know in w- where you buy all your food and stuff all the concession areas. So I I I commend you for that. And uh, I gave I gave uh, Pinball a little you know nudge. Hey, how about it, Pinball? And uh, he was more than accommodating and. Uh, uh, I am so proud of what he did for her that day, and I'm so proud of how happy she was. And uh, it speaks well to the Canadian Football League, Bill Clemens, the Toronto Argonauts, the cheerleaders. And this is the same in every stadium. And this isn't something just peculiar to the Toronto Argonauts. This is every stadium has a very accommodating nature to the fans. And if you've ever gone to a CFL game, if you allow yourself to be indoctrinated, or to be showered with appreciation, or showered with the ambiance, the the lifestyle of being a CFL fan, you can't help but come back, Mike. You 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 can't, Frank. You can't. And it seems like every year that I've I've been going to the CFL games or talking about the CFL, Frank, I have about ten more friends of mine want to talk about going to a CFL game with me. So. I have a lot of takers this year that want to come to Canada to go to a CFL game. <laughs> so, there you go. They're like, man, okay, look like y'all be having so much fun. <laughs> Before we talk about uh, next week's games, we've got Trevor Harris, uh, this week's top performer, followed by C.J. Gable and Andrew Harris, two running backs and a quarterback. 
uh, in a league where the running game is 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 not strong, it's no surprise that those two guys, uh, those two running backs, are two and three. Uh, and Trevor Harris, number one. Uh, is there an honorable mention in there? I, I know one that I would suggest. Yes, for me, uh, Andrew Harris. You're good with that. Now, aside from those three guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna start you off so you understand what I was saying. I would also like to throw an honorable mention, number four, um, a tie for number four, Cody Fajardo and yes, Dominique sir. Davis. Uh-huh. No argument there. Great and, players. You know, my, 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 my honorable mention, Frank, for my number four, number five, um, I already or said six. Trevor. Uh, yeah, or six. I say number six, and I said Andrew Harris. Uh, Greg Ellison. Yeah, yeah, it deserves a mention for sure. Uh, yes. Almost 200 yards receiving. Uh, that's a good day for any receiver. Oh, yeah. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, when we come back, we are going to, i tell you what, we're going we're gonna to go to Lemon. When we come back, we're going to talk about the upcoming games this week. Oh, doesn't want to play. We'll have to cancel that one. Okay, well, Uh-oh. we're back already. Yeah, I can't play the commercial for some reason. It's not, it's not sticking. Um let me tell you what, we'll try it. We'll try a diff one. Uh, here's Ricky Fogg. See if Mr. He Fogg, you got a sec? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's up, man? Nothing much, man. <laughs> well, here it is another season. Uh, are you feeling a little bit in the fog? No, no, no. Yeah, right now things are good. Uh, first week it was uh, a little foggy. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, first, week was, first week here has been amazing. Uh, it's been great just to be under Coach Chame and to be under uh, with with some new guys and stuff, and uh, I'm really excited uh, just for what's going to come for this season. Um, I'm really excited just to have fun. I'm, re- I'm excited to be back on the field, honestly. And flying doesn't hurt either, does it? No, 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 no. Flying is. You said flying? Flying, yeah. What do you mean? Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. That's the best part about it, and and and, that, and that's what our defense is going to stand for, and so that's what we have to continue to do. Um, and look like today. Uh, a little sloppy a little bit, but uh, there will be stuff to get cleaned up. First preseason game uh, against somebody else. And so um, it'll be good. How easy is it to look ahead and have such a short time at training camp? I'm sure it's something that takes a little time to get used to. Um, it, it takes a little time, um, especially for your younger guy. Um, if you're had a few years, you know how important it is to stay where you are, stay in the moment. Um, don't look too far ahead because – Everything is a promise, um, and so we just have to continue just to take it day by day, step by step, um, game by game, week by week. Yeah, thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. Uh, Ricky Fogg, that was uh, after the first, ex- uh, the second, sorry, exib- exhibition game. Um, we promised, and we're going to follow through. We're going to talk about the games coming up this week, and we begin with Edmonton at Winnipeg. This is an early, 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 early gotta-see football game. These two teams are 2-0. and uh, One of them, I don't know, we've seen ties in the Canadian Football League. The odds of them are very slim. 
But I don't think there'll be a tie here, Mike. And uh, how do you think, uh, first of all, you don't have to tell me who you think is going to win right away, but what do you expect from both these teams? We've got Harris up against Nichols. We've got two offenses that are well rehearsed and looking pretty good. Uh, Frank, I'm looking for a shootout. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm looking for a shootout. I'm looking for a good defensive game. But I also want to see what the running backs are going to do in week three. C.J. Gable coming off a good uh, solid week. And Andrew Harris having an unbelievable uh, week in uh, week two. I want to see if they can keep it up. Two of the best running backs in the West. Yes, sir. This this is uh, this is going to be a great example of, of an opportunity, I'll say, for two defenses to show that they can defend against a team that can run and shoot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and then you also got two very good quarterbacks, Frank, that can air that ball out any given time. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll hope that uh, they can continue on this upscale up, 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 up that they're going and have a good shootout. That's what I want to see. I'm looking about maybe about 700 yards uh, total pass between both quarterbacks. <laughs> oh, really? That much? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think Matt, I think I think Nichols is going to uh, going to have a field day, man. I think he's going to air it out a lot. This is not Ottawa we're talking about, Mike. Oh, I know. I mean, we we got to see what what uh, what Chris Matthews is all about now that he's back in Winnipeg. We got to get that ball set, man. Air it out. <laughs> agreed, agreed. And 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 I, you know, in what you're saying, there's there's some basis in fact. Uh, you know, both the defenses of these two teams have taken a hit over the off season. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they they both Winnipeg on offense. Yes, they are. They Winnipeg lost one of the key defensive backs that you just uh, interviewed here, Kevin Falk, and um, he was a key contributor. Uh, and a guy in Montreal right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go. So, uh, you know. They 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 gonna rely on his offense, Frank. They have to. And it's gonna be a shootout. Trevor Harris I, I, is not gonna slow down. No, God, no, no, he doesn't Mm-mm. slow down. No, you know his not, timing. You know we we talk about you know mathematically, statistically, and we we haven't talked about this guy yet. You know that today we haven't used the three words that we use all the time when we talk about the greatness in the Canadian Football League. Bo Levi Mitchell. We haven't mentioned him. And, and you know, uh, he's, a, he's a guy, you know, later that we'll be talking about BC and Calgary. But just in the context of quarterbacks, you know, I, I think we don't give as much credit to Trevor Harris for being very quick off the hike as we do, you know, because uh, Bo Levi Mitchell has a reputation for, on average, I think, releasing the ball in 1.2 seconds. You know, and that's just phenomenal. I don't think Harris is far behind him, and I think that's Harris's best trait is that he releases the ball in a hurry. If, if you want to be a CFL quarterback, you better release that ball in a hurry or somebody's going to be down in the trenches. Well, it also <laughs> negates the, the effect and the impact the defense has on you, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
And it also requires route running that is very quick as well. Oh, yeah. Get out there, get, get them breaks, get them cuts in so that ball can come in. One second I guess release, that, you got to be. I guess that's why Ellingson's such an important receiver to the Edmonton Eskimos and wherever he has been, Ottawa and Hamilton before that. Oh, yeah, Frank. Come on. That guy is just amazing. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And in this game, I, I really like I really like both these teams. And, and I'm inclined to agree with you. This is going to be a shootout. And this is going to be another one of those games that people are going to be talking about all weekend. Um, at least we can predict that based on what we know and what we've seen thus far. But the beauty of the Canadian Football League is, you know, Vernon Adams is starting for Montreal. So that could be interesting. And, you know, Mike Riley's looking for an opportunity to show what he can do. And we've seen what Cody Fajardo can do. And James Franklin owes the fans a great game. But back to the Edmonton-Winnipeg game. (laughs) The running game here, I think the running game here will be very important. And I truly believe, Mike, the key to this game is going to be the team defense that slows down the running game. Oh, yeah. The, the, these two teams here have good defenses, Frank, and they're, like I said earlier, when we are talking about uh, Edmonton, they're ball hawks. Wherever that ball is, that's where you see them defensive guys at. And their 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 front five, front four, front five is very dangerous off the off the ball also. These these linebackers, these are some big, quick guys, man. And, you know, uh, if Matt Nichols don't get that ball out right away, it's going to be a long night at the office for him because they will be on him. On him like white on rice, as my mama used to say. Well, they, they both played two games. Trevor Harris has 741 passing yards. Matt Nichols has 184. Mm-hmm. C.J. Gable, yep. 265 yards rushing. Andrew Harris, 148 yards. Greg Anlingson. 240 yards receiving. Darvin Adams, 73 yards receiving. Now, uh, having said all that, having said all that with the with the big numbers that are on the Edmonton side of the ledger, it also means that Winnipeg's due. And that's where, you know what I mean? Like where the defense comes in. And, and, and as long as Harris can, can run the ball down the gut and keep the defenses worrying about him, uh, Nichols might be able to do something. But I got to tell you, Mike, it's no fluke that Harris, C.J. Gable, and Ellingson have such great numbers. The three of them have performed all-star quality football. Oh, yes, Frank. This is not a fluke. These guys are playing great football, and, you know, they're good at their craft. I mean, when you have a, 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 a elite receiver – like Greg Ellison, man, that that has tremendous games year after year after year. I mean, come on, man. You got to label him one of the best in the league. I don't care what how you look at it. He's one of the best in the league. This is a Thursday. Less than 24 hours away, folks. This is the Thursday night game. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Game two on Friday night happens in Hamilton, where the Montreal – Alouettes will be visiting. Montreal is a team that we haven't talked much about 
because we missed last week. Um, they're a team that's up for sale. They're a team whose coach was released at the midnight hour before the season started. The coach that they did eventually have is someone who was ready to be a head coach. They're not handicapped at the head coaching position. But, you know, it does cause a little bit of a problem for a team that's trying to establish themselves early. What I will say for the Montreal Alouettes, they better, as the Argos, but the Alouettes have to straighten things out because it looks like Winnip- uh, sorry, Hamilton and Ottawa are going to run away with first and second. And that means Montreal or Toronto, to make the playoffs, is going to have to beat the fourth-place team in the West. And that might be a challenge, Mike. This game is very important to Montreal. Yeah, it is, Frank. And, and Vernon Adams is getting his first start. Um, and, and, and this, this here is a, is a, is a, is a sticky situation for Montreal because now that Kahari Jones is the head coach, I, I, I think if Kavish Reed would have made him the head coach way beforehand, you would have seen more of a Kahari Jones team put together because he's playing with some of these guys. that's not even some of the guys that he probably would have had on his team. You understand what I'm saying? Um, well, he definitely did pretty... work them into his head and then work it's that different. onto paper and then into the locker room. Exactly. So, you know, I'm thinking that um, – I, I, I don't know, Frank. I, Montreal is just a sticky situation right now. I think it's like I said before. I think it's a boat waiting to sink. And I, I hope they get their stuff together because right now, you know, they uh, one thing that we didn't mention, they did sign Brandon Bridge to a one-year deal. And eventually, Brandon Bridge is going to be that quarterback that they need. They didn't hesitate bringing him in once he got released. No, and, and, and you know what? Um, Canadian quarterback, uh, there is, you know, always a little bit of noise about, you know, maybe at some point the Canadian quarterback will not be considered a neutral player, will be considered a Canadian player. And it'll be might be handy to have a, a Canadian quarterback. The Argos had four in camp; uh, they have now two. It, it is something. It is something to behold, having a Canadian quarterback. But you know, winning is what matters, and it's not about having a Canadian quarterback. It's about having a, a starting quarterback and a backup quarterback that can win you football games. And and that's why I believe. Vernon Adams is very important. I I just think I just think that Pitkin proved that maybe he doesn't have the ability to be flexible. Or my worst case scenario concern is the team can't protect him, hasn't been able to protect him and give him the kind of guidance and the kind of offense that can change from week to week and not allow the opposition to figure out how to negate that quarterback's ability to win. And by that quarterback, I mean Pickton. Vernon Adams mm-hmm. is, is far more ready to be a CFL quarterback than Pickton. That's my opinion. Yeah, now he is. Cause he, he needed some time to, he needed some time to develop Frank. Cause you know, when, when, uh, who was it? Montreal made that, 
trade with uh, BC to get his rights. You know, when he was a rookie, they tried to bring him in and try to start him right away, man, but it didn't happen. You know, some rookies can step in and, and right away and make a, a immediate impact. Vernon Adams needed that that time to mature as a CFL quarterback, and I think he's ready. I, I think he's ready. And I, I do, just too. In case, and just, just in case it doesn't work out, they got Brandon Bridge right there. I mean, Brandon Bridge can at least keep them guys 500 at best. I mean, well, people he forget had good spectrum. numbers. He had good numbers in Toronto's preseason. Yeah, and you know, I, just people just can't forget the, the spectacular he had a couple of years ago when him and Kevin Glenn was alternating quarterbacks. He was playing lights out football. So, um, and Hamilton, what can we say about Hamilton? Did did you know? Usually, sometimes not usually. Sometimes after a high-scoring game like uh, like they had against the Toronto Argonauts, you end up a little dry the next game. That might be the best thing, the best news for Montreal, that that Hamilton might have shot their, you know, it came so easy for them last week. It might come a little more difficult, uh, difficultly uh, against uh, Montreal. Uh, not suggesting that's what I think. It's just an option, an opportunity that's quite possible. But this Hamilton team is is playing in midseason form, no doubt about it. They, you know, they look great. Oh yeah, Frank. It's like they never that they haven't skipped the beat from last season. I mean, these guys, these guys are playing. I mean, and what can you say about Mazzoli? <laughs> there's the, ain't there's no not controversy going on there. <laughs> well. His passing was outstanding. The defense was pretty good. The receivers were outstanding. The running backs were fantastic. Special teams. They had everything going against the Argos. The question is going to be, can they have it all going against Montreal? We'll get back to those first two games and do our predictions, but we'll talk about the next two games first, BC and Calgary. This is an opportunity for an old battle to be revisited, and that is Riley up against Bo Levi Mitchell. Calgary has not – we haven't talked much about Calgary. And it's obviously because they haven't really been outstanding as they have in the in recent years, you know, getting out of the gate as quick as they have in recent memory. No, Frank, they haven't. Hold on real quick, Frank. And uh, BC, uh, BC, this is – Riley's got to break out at a moment. It, it's got to happen at some point. They, they can't carry on the way they have. Calgary need to get the taste out of that game against Ottawa, which left a bad taste in their mouth. But then again, you know, Grey Cup hangover. Ottawa, reminder of the Grey Cup. It's a little difficult sometimes to come up big, you know, your first game back after winning the Grey Cup. You know, it, it's... And and this is going to be the game, you know, that I think is the most of a toss-up, Mike. This is the one that I think is the least predictable. Uh, Frank, I have to I have to disagree with you with that one, on, buddy. Go ahead. I think Cal- I think Calgary's going to come out here and spank these guys up because they're going to be so pissed off from the way they uh, lost that game uh, week one. Um, Bolivar Mitchell is going to make mincemeat for these guys, man. Okay. Toronto at Saskatchewan. Uh, Toronto has uh, been battered and bruised in one game. Saskatchewan's lost two games. 
and uh, they're due. And uh, I, I have to say Saskatchewan's the favorite by virtue of the two games that they played versus the game that Toronto played. The one thing that Toronto has an advantage, as an advantage is clearly that drubbing is fresh in their mind. If they're not working hard after that loss and they're not ready for this game against Saskatchewan, there might be something to be worried about in regards of, uh, you know, of the Toronto Argonauts and their season. How are you feeling about oh, those yeah, two Frank. teams? Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, the, Argo, the Argos, they need to go into this game pissed, Frank. You understand what I'm saying? Because they got embarrassed uh, over the weekend. So they need to go into this game pissed, ready to play. Uh, don't get the trash talking. Just go out there and let the game speak for itself. But at the same time, you're playing against an 0-2 Saskatchewan team that plays like they 2-0. So uh, this is going to be a good, this is going to be a good game here. Um, and James Franklin has to have to redeem himself, Frank. Or I think it's going to be some type of situation. I think I, I actually think more than him redeeming himself. I think James Wilder does. And I think I got a name for this bowl. This will be the Angry Bowl. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There'll be two teams that are very angry about the position they're in at this time. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it's not something... lost on on Saskatchewan that they cannot lose another game this early in the season. No. I mean, you can make it up just like that. Don't get me wrong, but you don't want to be zero and three. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> not starting off the season, you don't. Not zero and three. No. Absolutely not. <clears throat> All right, let's do our predictions, Mike. Uh, I've got uh, – I'm taking Edmonton over, over Winnipeg. Uh, okay. I'm going to go Winnipeg over Edmonton. By 10 points. Oh, okay. And Winnipeg for Mike. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind hearing that. I, I think that's a pretty, pretty good decision. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're saying by ten. Um, I, I'm saying that. It's going to be a buzzer beater that wins that game. Okay. Now, you don't get buzzer beaters in football, but as close to a buzzer beater as you can get. In uh, the next game, uh, we've got Montreal at Hamilton. Uh, I'll take this one first, and and, and I can't help it. Uh, Hamilton over Montreal, Frank says. By a lot. I agree with you. I think that's what you're going to end up saying. Big win for me. <laughs> yeah. And, and who's my who, who's Montreal playing again? I forgot. Hamilton. Hamilton. Oh, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hamilton is going to run away with this one in the second quarter. Yeah. Okay. So we agree. Oh yeah. Mike two. In the third game, BC's in Calgary. Um, you've already made it clear that Calgary is going to 
do a number on on BC. Oh yeah, um, but at least twenty points. Wow. Well, I, I I'm going to say that um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say it'll be a little closer. I'll say by ten. But yeah, I, I'm going with Calgary. Calgary's a a bounce back kind of team, and this is a great opportunity for uh, them uh, to bounce back. Toronto at Saskatchewan. Every year, I'd say and do the same thing. I don't bet against the Argonauts, and why be any different this year? Um, this one here is going to be a close one. Not a buzzer beater, but it'll be close. And uh, uh, I got them. Who do you got, Mikey? Did I lose Mike? No, it appears I might have. And we're down to the last couple of minutes. Um, oh, can, can you hear me, Frank? No, I can now. Hello? Yeah, uh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, you're there. No worries. Yeah, um, back in the trailer here. Toronto, um, Saskatchewan. Um, Toronto. Um, I'm looking for the angry boatmen to come on and play angry. I'm looking for them to... Redeem themselves next week. Uh, I'm looking at a 10-point win. Okay. Uh, Neither of us are going to be liked by our Saskatchewan friends. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's a bit of a a problem, Mike. I don't know if we can handle it. Sorry to all our Saskatchewan friends, but you know. All right. Uh, in in conclusion, we've got a couple of minutes left. Uh, I I uh, as we do from time to time, we acknowledge other sports going on. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left, Mike. Two minutes. Raptors win. You love basketball. You love the fact that basketball is becoming very popular in Canada, and I think we just saw one of the biggest boosts to the game in Canada this past uh, couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, Frank. Congratulations to the Toronto Raptors, man, for winning their first ever NBA championship, man. Great team, a great win, and, you know, I hope they can keep the core together, man, for that magnificent run next year. Uh, They did it without a top four pick. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And you know what, man? I tell you what, you know, everybody questioned that trade when it first happened, DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. But, um, you know, I, me, I never questioned it because I knew the type of player that Kawhi Leonard was uh, by watching him in college and watching him play for the Spurs all them years. Uh, Toronto got them a very good basketball player, somebody that's quiet, don't never show a lot of emotions. This guy is your Michael Jordan. Well, uh, he, was, he was the best player in the NBA playoffs this year. Uh, he was consistently the best player in the NBA playoffs every series. And, of course, he capped it off with a pretty good finals. And and I got to say this about the, about the move that Messiah Jury made. It was a brave move. But it was yes. a move that was necessary. You know, all due respect to the Raptors that are gone, the fact is the Raptors that are here, and that joined this team, uh, 
played a very business-like game. They were very efficient defensively. And they didn't crumble at the first sign of pressure. That's the biggest thing that I can say about this Raptor team. Yes, they gave up a really good player. But as we all know, and, and this is not a, a, a picking on somebody who has some uh, emotional issues, but, you know, unfortunately there were emotional issues that caused, you know, DeMar DeRozan to, to not perform to the level that, you know, Raptor fans are accustomed to. And he'd had a couple of kicks at the can. And how many kicks do you get at the can when you're a GM? Messiah Jerry made a tough decision. One that meant bringing in a a player in Kawhi Leonard who may or may not have had the physical ability to play the season. Once he did play the season with, you know, with management, you know, health management, uh, game management, whatever you want, whatever title you want to use. The question was, could he last throughout the playoffs? And all those questions were answered. And his ability to lead the team was answered. And what I like the most about Kawhi Leonard is he gave room to the elder statesman of the, of the Toronto Raptors to hang on to both trophies for as long as he wanted. He, he, just, let, he, he, he just let the great point guard, Jose Calderon's backup, <laughs> and... <laughs> And, you know, and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, they both did a great job being good teammates and ensuring that winning was the priority. Oh, yes. And you know what, Frank? Um, I was happy for you guys, man, to, to see to see y'all get an get a, get a NBA trophy, man, because it's been so hard, especially dealing with the NHL and the way the Maple Leafs have been playing and, Blue Jays, uh, man, I was glad to see y'all get a trophy. Congrats! Well, you know. two million people, Mike. What? Two point two million people uh, at the parade. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yikes! It's a lot of people. So congratulations, congratulations to Toronto sports fans for that, and also the rest of Canada who rallied behind that team. And it was we talk about Canada's team, we talk about the Maple Leafs, we talk about Canada's team. When we talk about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but one thing's for sure: the Toronto Raptors really were Canada's team on that rush to their first NBA championship. For Mike Townsend, I'm Candid Frank. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you again Wednesday for CFL Talk. As yes, always, sir. Candid Frank and live. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>